Hello everyone and welcome to the Horse.com's Ask the Vet Live event on avoiding respiratory problems in the barn, brought to you free by Sweet PDZ. Visit them online at www.sweetpdz.com. I'm Christy West, digital editor and producer for the Horse.com, and joining us today to answer your questions about this topic are Dr. Melissa Mazin, Associate Professor and Director of the Equine Sports Medicine Program at Tufts University, and Dr. Dorothy Ainsworth, Professor of Medicine at Cornell University. Thank you all for joining us today, and as always, we received a lot more questions for this event than we can possibly answer in the hour that we have, but we've picked out several to cover the major respiratory and air quality topics that you're all interested in. Once we're through with those, if we have time left, we'll move on to live questions. If you have a question, you might want to hang around just a little bit to see if we already have a similar one, and if not, please type your question into the chat box at the bottom of the control panel on your screen. Uh, by the way, if you sent your question in already, you do not need to send it again now because we do have it. All right, so let's roll on into respiratory problems. I think this is a really good time for this topic because it seems like just about every part of the U.S. at least is either parched or soaked. So we've got dust and mold issues all over the place. Um, first question, let's start with just what respiratory problems commonly affect stalled horses. Uh, so, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. Am I, am I answering this one? Um, no, Dorothy. Go for it, Dr. Mason. <laughs> no, I, I'll be Go ahead, happy Dorothy. To, so I'll be happy to weigh in on this one. Um, we, we tend to think of horses that are kept in barns as being very susceptible to developing in, inflammation in their lungs. And the two conditions that we really think about are recurrent airway obstruction, um, which which is formerly called HEAV or COPD. And then in our um, athletic courses, inflammatory airway disease, and, and that will affect our race horses and our sport horses, um, as well as our eventers. Um, we also have to worry about infectious diseases, because now we're putting horses in close proximity in a closed environment in which the ventilation may be shared. And we might have um, people that are handling animals um, going from one animal or one horse to the next. And so infectious diseases can also become problematic and even explosive in a barn. And so we think about uh, influenza going through a stable, uh, herpes virus, and uh, strangles, to, to name a few of those. All right. And our oh, next question. Oops, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on you. <laughs> Were you through with that answer? I, I am. Thanks. Okay. No problem. All right. Our next question is from Cheryl in Missouri, who says, her horses are coughing and have a yellowish discharge from the nose, but they're not kept in the barn. Why should they have these, these symptoms? So, I'm happy to um, also discuss that. I think that it would be prudent to figure out if there are other signs besides the nasal discharge that are associated um, with this horse's health issue. And so it would be nice to know if the horse is running a fever, what the um, age of the horse is, uh, whether it's um, pastured with donkeys 
that might be causing lungworm problems, whether there are any um, sinus infections, whether it's an older horse. So it's just from the information that we have here, um, I would say that it's probably not normal and that it would warrant having your veterinarian take a good physical, uh, perform a good physical examination and see if there are any other systems that could be involved. All right. And Rose from New York would like to know if, given the same environmental conditions, are all horses susceptible to heaves or do only some of them tend to come down with it? Hi, uh, Christy. I guess I'll answer that one. Um, it's a really good question and, and one that people have been thinking about for a long time. And we have started to have um, some good information about it. When, if, when people look at sort of overall um, disease prevalence, there's the, some evidence that about 12, somewhere between 12 to maybe 18 percent of horses have signs of heaves if you look at them uh, post-mortem. Um, interestingly, there's, there's some work, especially out of uh, Switzerland and Germany, looking at um, groups of horses that are highly related. And they see that if you breed two horses that have heaves, so a, a Marin stallion that are known to have heaves, the incidence of the offspring having heaves can go up to almost 50%. Uh, if the horse has one parent that has heaves, uh, you, you go probably from about a 12 or 15 percent uh, overall number of horses having heaves up to 20 to 25 percent. So certainly it looks as though there's some genetic component. Um, some interesting work that's been done recently shows that there are some genetic markers that are very similar to genetic markers in uh, asthma in humans. Um, that may be common to some horses with heaves. Um, but that said, there's no real breed predilection. There's no uh, sex predilection for it. So I guess the long and short is that given the same environmental conditions, some horses appear to be genetically susceptible to heaves and others not. All right. Thank you for that answer, Dr. Mazin. Our next question is from Denise in Kentucky, who would like to know what specifically puts horses at risk for COPD, other than genetics. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's kind of a connected question. So yes, genetics, yes. Also, there's some, some work that actually goes back a, a many years looking at um, early foalhood uh, respiratory infection. If uh, horses had, there's some old, relatively old, but interesting epidemiologic um, work that looks at whether or not horses had respiratory viral or bacterial infections before the age of five seems to be linked with uh, COPD, which we now usually call heaves or recurrent airway obstruction. Um, and certainly living in a bad environment, which unfortunately includes many, many, many barns, uh, certainly puts horses at risk for heaves. Uh, so it's really the environment that you grow up in, the environment that you live in now, and your genetic background that will make you more or less susceptible as a horse. Yeah, very good. And we're going to touch on some air quality and environmental issues here in a few minutes. But in the meantime, got a couple more general questions about disease. Susie from California was, says uh, her horse coughs from time to time. I mean, at what point should you have the vet check the horse out about a cough? And I, Dr. I think 
I would say um, if if it's an occasional cough, it may be the um, early heralding signs of either inflammatory airway disease or even um, recurrent airway obstruction. So I think that uh, if it's occurring with enough frequency that you're noticing, noticing it, it certainly is worth having your veterinarian do a good physical exam and also an endoscopic exam. And in some of these cases, too, it's worth having the horse referred to a tertiary care center in which specialized pulmonary function tests can be performed so that they can uh, pick up any increases in the airway reactivity, very similar to what occurs in asthma. And would, would you agree with that, um, Dr. Maison? Oh, I do. And you know, there's some really interesting work in asthmatics showing that they have nonspecific airway reactivity sometimes years before they ever show signs of um, doctor-diagnosed asthma. And we really suspect that that happens with horses, too. We, just in the course of doing some research, sometimes you'll test a horse that's young, has no clinical signs. You know, wow, this horse is really reactive. And we'd love to be able to follow those horses on and say, are those the ones that are go on, going to go on to develop heaves? Very good. Our next question is from Tessie in Texas, who would like to know if a mild, clear, runny nose discharge from the nose is normal, or if it should be checked out. Yeah, I guess that's another one of those, it depends, and I hate to um, be labeled as a um, person needing more information. Really, when you go out early in the morning, and especially if the horses are outside and you're going to bring them up for a feeding, it's not uncommon in the cool mornings for them to have uh, a very mild, um, a few drops of a very clear nasal discharge. And so that in itself is not worrisome. Um, having said that, uh, when horses do get strangles, they initially get a serous nasal discharge that within a matter of uh, days becomes more of a yellow to white discharge. And of course, they'll have um, often other signs associated with that. But if it's a, a, a clear discharge early in the morning and it's cool or there's a weather change, usually that's not of major concern. All right, good. And Carol would like to know, can horses have early COPD or respiratory allergies without a cough? Absolutely. And um, you, you can have horses developing airway inflammation and not pick up a, a cough. They can still be coughing. And I think uh, the Michigan State group had, had actually plotted the frequency of coughing when horses had come into the barn. And it can be sporadic, and so you may not pick it up um, initially, even though the horse does have some degree of airway inflammation. All right. And Evelina from Wisconsin would like to know, how do you test for mold allergies in horses? Um, 
I think that there are two things that we need to separate out here. Horses can get allergic responses to um, various allergens in the environment. And they can uh, manifest those by developing hives or urticaria. And in those cases, skin testing seems to be very beneficial, identifying the offending allergen, and then setting up a series of uh, desensitization uh, shots over a period of time to try to quiet down the allergic response. So for our dermatologists or specialists that do skin testing, especially at our, um, our teaching hospitals, uh, this has proven to be a fairly effective way of treating um, these horses. Unfortunately, for the horses that we think uh, have heaves or recurrent airway obstruction, there's not a good correlation between skin testing or allergen testing and the, the development of clinical signs or the, the number of horses that have clinical signs versus, for example, the heavy horses versus the healthy horses. So to explain that better, you can have skin reactions or allergen reactions in both healthy horses that have no signs of heaves as well as horses with heaves. So I think we need to, to do a little bit more research there with finer techniques to see if the heavy horses do have clear evidence of um, allergens um, that we can try to desensitize them to. Very good. And I'm going to take a quick moment here to put up a poll for our audience. Um, how concerned are you about, excuse me, about odors and ammonia in your stalls? While our audience is taking a minute to ask that, we'll go on to our next question. Um, Patty in Florida says she has a nine-year-old thoroughbred cross gelding with, uh, who's been diagnosed with the beginnings of IAD, inflammatory airway disease. Can a blood allergy test help? Melissa, do you oh, want to take that? Sorry, I thought you were, no, that's fine. Well, you know, I think that really, um, Dorothy, your answer about the skin allergies covers this one as well. Um, I think some of the, the work that's been done on allergy testing has shown that horses may have, may come up positive for more things, but they're really not well correlated to whatever it is that is um, causing the problem in the horse. Um, so, no, I don't think that the blood allergy test helps in this situation. And Melissa, would you also um, agree that there really hasn't been that much work done? No, um, you're so right. It, it's, it's interesting that there hasn't because everybody talks about, and we do research looking at the sort of immune component, uh, the allergic component of this disease, but really very little has been done. Um, and it may also be that we haven't parsed out the, the 
causes of, of heaves in different horses well enough. Maybe the blood uh, the uh, skin allergy testing is going to be more useful for horses with mast cell mediated disease versus neutrophil or something like that. I think we just don't know enough about it yet. Great. All right. Our next question, I will apologize if I mispronounce your name, is from Seracia in Thailand who would like to know how do you recognize if a horse's respiratory problem is from the barn environment versus something else? Well, you know, that's such a nice question because in a way you can do your own little science experiment. If we have a horse that we want to use um, in some clinical research and we want to know if they've got heaves, um, one of the simplest ways of doing it is to put them in a barn with some uh, dusty hay, shavings, a typical barn situation essentially, and that horse uh, will develop problems. So if you keep your horse in a barn and it has a cough or nasal discharge or it has a high respiratory rate after working, anything that makes you think there's a respiratory problem. And then you try to answer that question by having your horse live out of the barn, say, for several weeks and it improves. Um, you've got a little bit of what we call preliminary data saying, hmm, looks like this horse has a problem from the barn environment. Um, the truth of the matter is that it's a very, very rare barn that doesn't have the potential for causing respiratory problems. So if you think that it, your horse is having a respiratory problem from a barn, you're probably right. Unfortunately. Yes. All right. And just real quickly, the results of our poll, how concerned are you about uh, ammonia and odors in your horse stalls? 40% of you are extremely concerned. Hey, that's why you're here. 14% um, moderately concerned, 30% somewhat concerned, 10% of you say you're not concerned about those things, and 6% of you don't keep your horses in stalls, so at least you're not fighting the conditions we were just discussing. Our next question is from M, who asks us if there is any link between respiratory issues and anhydrosis. This is a question we got several times. Yeah, it's such an interesting question, one that I'll confess I really didn't know anything about because I live in the Northeast and we don't see much anhydrosis. But um, our uh, colleagues who live in the South uh, see anhydrosis quite a bit. And one of the clinical signs of anhydrosis, which is non-sweating, is that horses tend to have a high respiratory rate. And this is because horses lose a tremendous amount of heat by sweating. Unlike your dog, for instance, uh, horses are more like us. They sweat, they cool down, and if you can't sweat and you're a horse and you're living in the south, you become very overheated. You breathe. Think about your dog panting in the hot summer. And so now you can't sweat and you have to breathe fast. And so it's going to look like a respiratory problem. What is intriguing, though, is that anhydrosis involves some problems with the same sort of nerve uh, receptors that may be causing problems in heaves. So there is no proven link. Is it an interesting question? Very interesting. But as far as I know, and um, Dorothy, uh, if you know of anything else about it, I'd, I'd love to hear. As far as I know, there's no proven link between the two. I agree with you, and I don't think I can add anything more to what you've said. Okay. <laughs> I thought that was a great answer. And uh, we've got a question from our live audience. Anna has a question. We were talking a little bit earlier about allergy testing and whatnot. She says her horse has been on immunotherapy for two years, um, and she wants to know how long are horses with allergies normally on allergy shots? 
And do you have any thoughts on the use of herbs to complement the shots? Yeah. You go right ahead, Dorothy, because I was going to yeah. say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know either because um, I haven't been uh, using allergen testing in our practice at Cornell. And so um, I'm, I'm not sure who referred you to that, but probably the best would be to go back to your veterinarian and find out what they're recommending for you. Yeah, I, I would echo that. All right, and we've got one more question on diseases before we move on to environmental factors. Lisa from Georgia would like to know if you tend to see more respiratory problems in some regions of the country than others. Uh, I would say yes, especially in terms of the inflammatory type uh, diseases, heaves, IAD. In the north, northeast, we tend to see more uh, barn-associated problems uh, because our horses are living in barns more frequently and they're closed up because of the cold and there's more particulate matter that they're breathing in. In the south, uh, we see what is variably called uh, summer pasture-associated um, RAO or COPD, if you want the old term. And that's highly related to the amount of mold particles in the air. But interestingly, we see that in the Northeast, too. We don't see it in the winter, obviously, but in the summer, we frequently have horses that have their worst days, uh, when it has been moist and when it's warm. And uh, when you look at what molds do, they have sort of these blooms where all the molds, conidia spores, all let go of their, their spores at once. And so I think that in the Northeast in the summer, we're probably seeing a variant of summer pasture-associated um, inflammatory lower airway diseases. Uh, so that would be the biggest difference. There's also differences if you look at infectious diseases. Certainly there's diseases in the West, uh, mostly um, fungal type diseases that we simply don't see here uh, in the Northeast. Um, there, there are some, uh, probably some different predispositions towards uh, what types of dust, what types of, of fungi you're breathing in. So th those would be my, my top thoughts. Uh, Dorothy, other things that we should be thinking about in different parts of the country? I think also the source of the hay, you know. Oh, good point. In the, mid, you know, the Midwest, we just don't get a great, fast um, cure for the hay. And so uh, compared to the alfalfa that's grown in California or out west, uh, we're going to see more mold particulates in our hay. Yeah, especially this year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right, we're going to move on to some environmental questions. Debbie from California would like to know if heavy dust from a dirt road near the, near the barn um, used during big events, would this affect the horses? Well, I, I would guess yes. And uh, certainly studies have shown that um, dust being raised is important. It's the, the best data we have for that actually come from studies in agriculture looking at human health. So um, human, humans, people, us who work on farms are exposed to a lot of dust from dirt roads. And you can Google image anytime you want and see some really lovely pictures of the dust that's kicked up from dirt roads in um, agricultural work. And that hurts people's 
with lungs. Um, the stuff you see is the stuff that's not going to hurt your horse as much. It's the small particulates that are also in that dust that's going to hurt them. Um, tough to know what you would do about that other than uh, potentially raise awareness because the nice thing about dust like that is that keeping it moist, wetting it down, does an enormous amount in preventing the dust from coming up into the air. So I would say probably the most important thing is, is making the people running the events uh, aware of the problem that heavy dust can bring. All right. And uh, let's see, our next question is from Julie in Tennessee who says she has a 15-year-old gelding who suddenly develops roaring and DDSP or dorsal displacement of the soft palate. Are there environmental factors that could be causing this? Um, I can't really come up with environmental factors for uh, roaring or laryngeal hemiplegia. Um, dorsal displacement of the soft palate, that's an interesting one because certainly there's some um, information, again, from the mission Michigan group that dorsal displacement of the soft palate might be due to some inflammation, local inflammation affecting the nerve that controls that, especially in young horses. And could particulates be having an effect on that? Sure. And if you're looking at that level of, of the airway, I suppose even large particulates, the guttural pouch is somewhat sequestered, somewhat safer, but Maybe. I guess the best to say is maybe. All right. And let's see. Rhonda from Wisconsin says her five-year-old mare came down with bad heaves after hot weather followed by rain. What, how, does, how does weather affect this? And uh, I would say that's connected to, let's see, somebody else had a question um, uh, about weather. And I think this is probably due to, again, mold spores. So if you've got... Um, a lot of rain, and then there's a lot of mold spores in the area. Um, that certainly could affect what your horse is breathing in and can cause heaves-like symptoms in uh, the spring and in the summer. Great. Very good. And we're going to do another quick poll of our audience. Uh, what time of year do you find that any stall and barn odors are most noticeable in your barn? Move on to that, check all that apply, and we'll move on to some of our most popular questions, all had to do with shape beddings, any shavings, straw, any different kinds of bedding. So Anna Maria from Ohio would like to know if you would comment on the types of bedding that minimize airway irritation. Yeah, I'll be happy to um, answer that one. So people, various um, investigators uh, that work in equine uh, pulmonary diseases have looked at which types of bedding and which types of seed materials are, are really associated with fewer particulates. And you know, the first thing we probably should mention is that the seed material seems to have a pretty big impact on the amount of particulates that are going to be inhaled. And if you think about it, the horse is sticking its nose right down in the hay or um, into the forage and inhaling lots of those. But, but to get back to the specific question, um, which seems to have fewer dust particles? Well, probably if we look at um, shavings compared to 
straw, for example, the shavings are going to have fewer particulates um, initially than the, the straw will, uh, especially if you're having to muck out stalls and really pull up a lot of that a straw and then fluff up the, the bedding. Um, paper doesn't perform as well as uh, shavings. Um, people have looked at pelleted uh, paper compared to the shredded paper. And, and the shredded paper has some issues associated with that as far as crawliness of the horse and then getting outside the stall and, and littering um, the surrounding areas. But when, when you compare or look at, say, paper compared to shavings, again, the shavings seem to have the fewer particulates. So if you're just looking at air particulates, shavings seem to do fairly well. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm always interested, though, by there's, there's always a couple of, of um, reports uh, where wheat straw is better than anything. I always think, where do they get that good straw? Because there is no straw around us that, but there have been some some uh, reports that that's useful. So I guess if you can if you can get the good wheat straw, then that's that can be pretty good too. Right. right. And Victoria from Idaho would like to know if there are there ways to keep dust down in the beddings, for example, wetting it. Anything else? Um, oh, picking a different bedding. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's an interesting study, and I don't think this is necessarily useful, but uh, a group um, looked at um, the effect of com uh, um, compost or heat, rather, and they found that if they wetted it first before they put it down, it had an increased absorbency compared to uh, non-pre-treated. Still, um, peat moss has some issues as far as um, more bacterial counts to it and also some additional fungal counts uh, to it. So if they're, if they're finding, I think if using shavings that there is some dust, they can gently sprinkle it, realizing, though, that you're going to be working somewhat against yourself as far as the water absorbency power of that. And I don't know, Melissa, do you have anything uh, yeah. different? I, I, I agree with you. It's so interesting. If you go to any um, OSHA type of website and they're talking about remediating dust in the workplace where you're going to be shut down if you have too much dust, the first thing they say is to wet it down. And the, the, one of the uh, most common things that people do is to sprinkle uh, with finely misted vegetable oil. That works even better. Um, than water, but this is not practical, I don't think, because then you've got it on your horse's coat and the rest of it. So, but I think uh, you know, the, the first rule of thumb for keeping dust down really is to wet things down. Um, so I think you're right. And Sandra from New York has asked about winter riding arena dust. Same solution or anything additional for arenas? Yeah, I think probably uh, wetting it down, and depending upon the materials that they're using, there are some um, arenas that are now being um, uh, filled with more of a rubber-type material. One thing that they do recommend when you start looking at the arenas is that 
in order to keep the dust down. If you're going to use an oil, always use a new oil, one that hasn't been uh, used before for fear that there might be some impurities or toxins um, that the horses might ingest if they're turned out uh, to roam about in the, uh, the arena during their free hours. So, so certainly, yes, you want to try to keep the dust down and um, either regular water sprinkling or even the light oil. Yeah. There, there was, just to chime in on that, there was just great data that came out oh, six years ago or so, and they looked at the startling amount of dust um, in riding arenas, something like 300 micrograms uh, per cubic meter, something appalling. Um, and watering it down brought it down to um, just regular air level. It, it was a, a stunning improvement in the air quality by watering an arena down. Now I have a question about watering in the arena because I have boarded before at barns in the winter where things were closed up fairly tight and of course they watered to keep the dust down in the arena which was good but uh, I, don't, I believe it was a non-insulated tin roof in this arena and it tended to rain in the arena yeah. <laughs> from all yeah. the condensation on the ceiling. Is that yeah. too much water? It, what it means is that your ventilation isn't good enough. Absolutely. So if, if it's ever raining in a barn and, or in an arena, it means you have to improve your ventilation. It's not the, the water on the arena dust itself. It's that um, you don't have air moving in a normal sort of stack of warm air going up and cool air falling down and that nice sort of continuous flow of air. And so you have to get your, your barn designer to have a look at your barn or an architect or somebody like that to come in and, and make some suggestions. All right, very good. We'll talk a little bit more about air quality here in a second. We've got a couple more questions on bedding and footing type things. Real quickly, the results of our poll, what time of the year are stall odors most noticeable in your barn? I'll spit it out there. 44% uh, of you said in the summer, most common answer, followed by 33% in the winter, 19% each for spring, and I don't keep my horses in stalls, and only 2% in the fall. So fall's definitely the good time. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably because it's warm enough for the uh, doors and all to be open. And <laughs> exactly. And yeah. Everybody wants to be. Everybody's so happy to air things out after summer. Right. So right. <laughs> that would that would be my guess anyway. All right. Uh, Pam from Florida would like to know if it is necessary to remove rubber mats periodically from stall floors to let the dirt air out when using shavings and sweet PDZ or and I guess any particular bedding. Oh, gosh, um, without a, an ammonia absorbent, for sure you're going to have to either flip the mats or bring them out and wash them if possible. And I think what the best thing is to determine whether you need to do that is just by getting down on your hands and knees and, and checking to see how strong the ammonia levels are. Um, the other thing that's helpful is if you've got mats in your stall, um, if they've got a possible um, slope to it, you can go in and uh, wash them as long if they're sealed and can't be removed, that is. You can go ahead and uh, wash them in the stall, provided you have a pretty good drainage or even use a squeegee. But definitely, they're going to absorb some of the ammonia um, and will need to be washed. And something I've heard a number of vets say, as well as as far as your comment to getting down close to the ground 
to see how bad the smell is, particularly if you've got foals in stalls that are going to be down a whole lot or any horse that's down a whole lot. I'd imagine that's even more important to get down low and see what, it's, what it really smells like down by the right. foot or not just you know, four or five right. feet up <clears throat> or six feet. Okay, um, Karen from Louisiana would like to know just how much of a respiratory irritant is ammonia and what else can she do to decrease it? Um, a couple people had questions about stall fresheners and whatnot. Try and address both of those. Uh, so, Melissa, do you want to talk about the, um, the uh, OSHA recommendations? Or? Oh, yeah. And you know what's so interesting, and I, I guess this this uh, touches on a, a other questions, is um, interesting. Most people's ability to smell ammonia um, is poor enough that you've already got above the levels that aren't good for you. So, um, generally, I guess people would say you don't want to be above 10 parts per million. And we don't, most of us can't smell ammonia until it's 20 to 30 parts per million. That's not where you're afraid you're, you've got serious toxicity uh, to your lungs, but at the same time, it is an irritant. And you have to remember, too, that horses are living in that for much longer times than we are. So, um, it's a respiratory irritant, um, and if you can smell it, then you need to do something about it. And, and luckily, there are a bunch of approaches that y you can take. I mean, um, I grew up, we always use lime, but right. that's disadvantages of being caustic, and you don't want it to uh, get on the skin, especially of the folds, and it'll also dry out the hooves. There are other natural mineral products that are certainly being marketed that either uh, contain uh, clays or diatomaceous earths or minerals like the zeolites. And, and I think there's, um, there are companies that are also marketing um, bacterial-containing products that right. break down um, the ammonia so that you don't pick up uh, that odor and that uh, noxious uh, gas. So there's certainly ways that, that can be approached. Right. All right. Very good. And Kim would like to, Kim from Oklahoma would like to know if dirt or cement stalls would be healthier in terms of respiratory issues. I think that if you look at cement, it at least provides a surface that can be disinfected and cleaned more easily than dirt. You know, dirt that's porous will certainly allow the urine to um, leak into it, and then it'll retain the ammonia and the uh, other um, particulates. So cement it sounds uh, more enticing, but horses can't stand on cement without developing some uh, feet issues. And so that's why we're always recommending that if you've got cement, you're putting mats on there uh, to pr protect them. Yeah. And back a little bit to stall fresheners and whatnot, Michelle from Illinois would like to know what if she's the only owner, I'm assuming in a boarding situation, who is using a product to help with, with ammonia? I mean, if you're only using it in one stall versus the rest of the barn, does it really help? Uh, I uh, would, oh, go ahead, Dorothy. No, 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 please do, please do. <laughs> it's just, to my mind, um, you know, people ask that all the time, and of course it's not as good as if everybody does it, but it's your horse standing in your horse's stall. 
And so I think even if you're only helping it very locally, it's better than not using it. If right. the stall freshener, I would have to say, if the stall freshener is one that actually helps with the ammonia itself. You don't want just something that gives a slightly prettier odor. It's that you, you actually want it to be binding the ammonia or breaking down the ammonia or doing something to alleviate the actual production of ammonia. All right, very good. And uh, which, what active ingredients do that? You know, that are available. I, I do think that, and surprisingly enough, PDZ is not paying me anything, but I do, <laughs> I do think from my reading that the zeolites are really useful, uh, diatomaceous earth, as um, Dorothy said, um, and the bacterial approach is, is going to be very interesting to see if that, that does well. You might, you might have to convert one person at a time and have them come into the stall and, and right. have a whiff and, and say, hey, you know, look what this is doing for my horse and also yeah. for me. So, yeah, that's a great idea. That is a good strategy. Have a sit-in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. They can't just walk into the stall. They have to lay down in the stall that's right. <laughs> before you clean it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's move on to air quality in the barn. Uh, Julio from Tennessee would like to know, are there any inexpensive tests we can use to determine air quality in the barn? Well, you know, this touches on the, the ammonia question in that you know, the cheapest thing you got going is your nose. And again, if you can smell ammonia, it's higher than it should be. If you're talking about particulates, um, there's another relatively cheap test that you can do, well, no, very cheap test you can do, to look for large particulates. And that, I think anybody who's ever spent time in a barn will have stood and seen a beautiful beam of light coming through the window. And then there are all those little motes. Motes is a nice word, but when you translate that to particulates, you realize that that beautiful beam of light isn't beautiful at all. And where those large visible particulates are, there will also be small ones. So look around your barn. Um, notice what your barn is doing to your breathing. Um, but then if you really want to know, then you could have, there are, are plenty of companies that will come in um, and test for particulates. We do that uh, as, as part of a clinical service where you can use um, various different um, uh, equipment to say what size particulates, where they're being produced. Um, you can also have uh, air quality testing companies come in to say what are your air changes like. Uh, so you can go all the way from the cheap, your nose and your eyes, uh, and what does your breathing feel like, to much more expensive and much more quantitative assessments of what's going on in your barn. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, we've been talking a lot about ammonia, and Sally in the audience would like to know if uh, heavy ammonia odor can be worse if the horse has too much protein in his diet. Yeah, that, that's a good question, and that's a, an approach that a lot of people in animal production, you know, food animal production take, is to decrease the protein. Uh, certainly is a good reason not to over uh, feed protein to your horses, um, but it is uh, actually an effective way of, of decreasing ammonia production. Fantastic. Um, Ariana in New York says she's in the process of building a barn. What factors should she consider to ensure good respiratory health for her horses? 
Well, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Dorothy. Can I just weigh in? I'm not really um, an engineer here, but there are many universities that do have um, agricultural engineering departments. And I think it's always worth either visiting those sites or calling and having an extension person come out. There are also a number of websites. And Ontario um, Ministry of Ag and Farming has uh, a website in which they, they show different plans for barns and the uh, type of ventilation systems that you want to implement. So it's great to get the experts involved right from the, um, the start of the project so that you don't have either raining in the tropics or um, ammonia or excessive dust. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, people spend so much money on barns. Um, and investing in the experts to talk to you about air quality is probably the best investment you could make. Fantastic. We've got some more specific questions, starting with Darren in New York, who would like to know if portable air purifiers are effective at reducing air, air quality problems in the barn. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting because I, I read that question. I thought, oh, that's... Is, the studies that have been done in horse barns say so far, no, and it isn't really, I guess, um, you have different types of air purifiers. You have the ionizing air purifiers, then you have the HEPA filters, and the uh, Purdue group has looked at a uh, HEPA filter in a stall and seen that, it, no, it didn't really help out that much. But interestingly, there's a couple of publications out looking at heavy particulates from forest fires. And air purifiers do help with indoor. Um, my guess is that even with forest fires, probably by the time you get indoors, the particulates are much lower. But it's a suggestion that, that some of these things uh, may at some point be useful. But there's no good evidence in barns at this point. Mm -hmm. And Leslie in Colorado would like to know if it's OK to to store hay in the barn separate from the stalls, or if it's better to keep it above? And I know there's, there's definitely some fire hazard reasons to keep it in a separate building, but let's talk about respiratory issues. Yeah, I definitely would recommend that it not be stored, at least in the barn, overhead. Um, one thing, it's going to interfere with the ventilation. And the other thing is all of the dust particulates, the mold, generally uh, filter down between the barn boards, and then it's another potential source. And just like you said, Christy, having uh, hay stored overhead is a, a real fire um, hazard. Um, the, the best thing is if there's an option for storing it either in a separate building or if you have an area um, in the barn separate from the stalls, that can be dedicated just for that, um, away from giraffes so that a wind isn't coming through and still ca carrying the air particulates into the horse's uh, breathing zone. Right. So ideally, best in a separate facility or um, uh, uh, definitely not above. All right. And Diane from Ohio would like to know if small stall fans, do they make respiratory issues any worse? <laughs> I have to be pretty careful here because we use them all the time uh, in the hospital. I know that most hospitals do. And I think that um, as long as they're not 
blowing uh, through the hay net, if there's a hay net in the stall, or, or blowing through the straw and raising up the dust particulates, they can be effective in moving cooler air, especially if you've got a larger agricultural fan, um, say a two-foot fan or so, that's moving uh, air, cooled air down the um, main breezeway to try to ventilate more of the stalls. So I think the smaller ones attached to the stalls can be useful as long as they're not in front of a hay bag or if they're down on the floor, they're not blowing into the shavings or the bedding. I don't know, Melissa, do you have a different perspective on that? No, I laughed when you you said that because we use them all summer long in our barns and once in a while I cringe when I see them near a hay bag and the rest but I think that the, as you say the big agricultural fans we have uh, several that we put at either end of the aisle and I think those really make a difference um, worth worth using if you have a large barn and Lauren from Georgia would like to know how she can better, better ventilate her barn in the winter without it becoming too drafty I guess first we have to define what too drafty might be. Right. So I wonder if, um, if there are potential scenarios there. If the horses are turned out during the day, whether they can open the barn to at least try to reduce uh, ammonia and also the particulates. And then the, the best way to ventilate, and of course this going back to having your consult with your agricultural engineer, is to have uh, narrow openings along the, the top of the wall so that air can, cold air can come in and then the warm air is going to rise and actually um, also circulate out through these almost eave-like openings. And there's certainly recommendations, I think, um, for the length of these eaves. I don't know whether it's possible for them to go ahead and install them in a, a structure that's already been um, in existence, but those would be a couple of different ideas. All right. Let's move on to some questions on treating affected horses, but real quickly I'd like to uh, draw your attention to the poll we've got up on the screen right now. Which stall deodorizers have you heard of? Our first question on treatment, uh, um, Laura from Pennsylvania would like to know how to, what's the best way to treat allergies in summer? Try hist or herbals like cough-free or wetting hay, etc. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that the, that try hist works particularly well in horses and there are a couple of, of studies looking at some herbals in horses, um, nothing that's to me really convincing. Uh, I think doing what you're doing, which is wetting the hay, is very good. Here's the problem, though, in summer, is if it's a summer pasture-associated problem in that there's a lot of um, molds, uh, pollen, really interesting thing is that pollen is almost a perfect vehicle for something we call endotoxin. And endotoxin causes airway inflammation. Well, in the summer, sometimes we have enormous amounts of pollen. Uh, that can be increasing the problem. So once in a while, uh, especially in the south and here in the northeast when it's hot and muggy, unfortunately sometimes the answer is to bring them back into the cleanest barn you can provide. So uh, that 
may be uh, part of the problem. It's hard to say. All right. And real quickly, the results of our poll on stall deodorizers, ones that every, one that almost everybody's heard of is Sweet PEZ, uh, 80%. 54% of you have heard of stall dry, 17% odor no more, 13% other stall deodorizer products, and 9% of you have heard of horse brush. And our next question on treatments, um, Victoria in Maryland would like to know if you can discuss treatment and care options for a laminitis prone horse with COPD chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Yeah, so again, uh, COPD, um, what we're now calling recurrent airway obstruction or heaves. But, um, well, the best thing is controlling the environment. So uh, that's, that's absolutely the best thing you can do for a horse that's laminitis prone. Understandably, though, especially here in New England, not everybody can have the 40-acre pasture and the run-in shed. Um, certainly, it's hard to know with um, corticosteroids. It's probably the source of this question. There's a lot of clinical thinking that corticosteroids might be bad for laminitis. There's very little good research in the area. Nonetheless, I think none of us really likes to treat that type of horse with a lot of systemic steroids. Um, but the inhaled corticosteroids are, are quite effective, especially I like to use Qvar um, and uh, fluticasone. Um, so if you can combine that with as good environmental control as you can possibly get, that's, to my mind, the safest thing you can do. Uh, Dorothy, do you have other options you would add to that? Yeah, these are really um, tough cases. And so what we've discussed doing is um, some of these, these horses that maybe they're cushionoid or metabolic syndrome might have insulin resistance. And we've toyed with the idea of adding some levothyroxine, which mm -hmm. um, at least improves insulin sensitivity in horses that are treated with dexamethasone. So whether that's another thing that we should be doing, uh, I don't know. Certainly there's no work on it yet. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, though. All right, and our next question is from Debbie in Alabama who has a 20-year-old gelding with heaves or, or COPD. What's the best environment? Or is it just taking into consideration, account all the considerations that we've already talked about, or is anything you'd add to that? Yeah, is this, is this a dust? summer pasture associated obstructive pulmonary disease if it's Alabama? And, ah, uh, good point. <laughs> and so if here you're going to have to kind of think in, in the opposite terms, just like Melissa had uh, described earlier bringing them in at least during the June to November um, period when uh, summer pasture-associated obstructive pulmonary disease seems to be the worst. You know, they're going to be brought inside, nice, cool environment that's um, bedded in shavings, uh, maybe do uh, dietary changes, perhaps hay cubes or e uh, even wetted hay or um, go to a complete pelleted ration, something like that. But anyway, get them away from the offending agent outside. And our next question is from Julia who ha in Tennessee who says her horse has severe asthma. Um, are there, what's the best holistic way or over-the-counter products to help with her breathing? Any options there that, that work well? There, I would say there aren't any options uh, that are sort of over-the-counter 
um, medications that we know help. But I, I'm going to look at the holistic part of that question and say um, a good environment is about as holistic as you could possibly get. So I, I really would stress, uh, rather than looking for an over-the-counter drug, to clean up your environment in every way you can. And, and so much of that Dorothy talked about. But there's you know just little things. Look at where's your manure pile? Is it near the windows? Where is your horse uh, housed? Is it close to the indoor arena? Um, where is your hay? All those things go through it with a, a fine-tooth comb and, and see if you can clean up your environment enough to help your horse. All right. Our next question is from Les in Florida, who would like to know what your thoughts are on nebulizers for delivering medication, I assume. Life, life senders. <laughs> They're excellent. We use them all the time. You have to... Um, make an investment and perhaps once the stable um, commits to them, I think they're an excellent way to deliver um, things like uh, acetylcysteine, which is a mucolytic, um, albuterol, even antibiotics. And so I think that they're very, very effective in delivering uh, targeted therapies to the lungs. Very good. We've got one more poll up for our audience right now. How, how harmful do you think ammonia odor is to your horse's health? I'd like to take a quick look at that and vote. And our next question is from Denise in Georgia, who would like to know if there are any pre-ride treatments that you can use to mitigate the, the effects of the coughing and et cetera that you get from inflammatory airway disease. Uh, I think that one comes down to um, what's usually affecting, at least acutely affecting your horse. Uh, when it's got heaves is bronchoconstriction or bronchospasms. So the small airways are constricting in an unusual fashion. Um, and so what you can do immediately before riding, and, and I'm going to assume that you're cleaning up your environment and you have your horse, you're managing your horse well, and perhaps you're using inhaled corticosteroids, um, but you've still got some bronchospasm that interferes with exercise. And then what we recommend is using inhaled uh, albuterol, which relieves the bronchospasm. What you do have to remember is that you don't want to use the albuterol consistently without uh, doing the other things that you need to do to, to treat heaves. Um, but it is a very good immediate bronchodilator that can help with exercise tolerance. And I think that's an excellent point too, that not to rely just on medications and to keep everything else in the environment in mind as well. All right, we're going to move on to some feed nutrition aspects of this condition. We're just about out of time. We're going to stay just a couple extra minutes to touch on a couple of these things. Um, Sandra from New York would like to know how much hay should be wetted for respiratory problems. And of course, this is going to be a little bit different than the soaking hay to pull out carbohydrates that you may have heard of for super easy keepers or horses with metabolic issues. Well, I can tell you that we're typically um, soaking the hay for about 20 to 30 minutes. And you can, you can determine if you're efficacious by opening up the lake and just seeing how moist it is in the inside. Um, these hay steamers are intriguing. And yes. I have not been able to find any um, controlled studies with them, but they certainly may provide a nice alternative, especially in cold environments, uh, for, for steaming the hay and uh, increasing the moisture content and decreasing the inhaled dust. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. I think the the South there's a South African group that's working on that. Interestingly, haven't heard anything out of them yet, though. All right. Um, Tracy from Pennsylvania would like to know if uh, how can she support her horse's respiratory system with nutrition. Um, I'll be happy to tackle that one. So it, it's interesting that um, some work out of Belgium shows that horses with inflammatory airway disease have what we call an oxidant stress. There are more free radicals being generated because of the inflammation. And so there is a diet in uh, Europe that's I think called Ventilate that has uh, vitamin C, um, vitamin E, and selenium. And so when I chatted with our nutritionist at Cornell, Joe Walkshaw, he suggested that we can go ahead and add our own antioxidants to horses, especially older horses, and something like 10 grams of vitamin C, 2,000 of uh, vitamin E, and making sure that they have a salt block with selenium would certainly be helpful for these guys. And then we also talked a little bit about maybe a uh, mature horses don't need these high-protein diets. You know, 10% protein uh, should be sufficient for these guys, and that will decrease your uh, urea and your ammonia production. I don't know. Mostly, have anything um, more yeah. to add to that? No, I think that's a it's a really good point. Um, the antioxidants, um, and you know, a lot of people uh, want to know about adding omega-3s and omega-6s, and unfortunately, there just isn't the data to back it up, but if I, I always call humans my favorite lab animal and go and look at what's been done in human medicine, and uh, there's some idea that things like the, the omega-6s like lecithin and the omega-3s like alpha-linolenic, that they are helpful in human asthmatics, so if you want to to take that as a start, uh, you know, I, I tell people I don't think it's going to hurt. As long as it's not going to hurt and I think it has potential of helping, then go right ahead and, and try it. Yeah, and it may be that in the you know, next coming years we'll see more and more usage of fish oils and our yes. diet. Yes, yep. All right. And Jackie in Minnesota would like to know, uh, could clover and hay cause heaves? That's a big I don't know. Um, so <laughs> certainly, if it's got it, the, I think the that Jackie pointed out, there's no mold or dust. I'd have to say that there's no such thing as hay with no mold or dust. Um, yeah. The the really small spores are you know less than three microns. You're not going to see them, and so uh, if that that hay that has clover also happens to have um, some small uh, size spores, then it, it may not be the clover at all. It's that even nice hay um, is going to not be all that great for a horse with heaves. I agree. And the last question on feed nutrition, Peggy from California would like, or excuse me, from Nova Scotia, Canada, not California. Um, would like to know with new hay that has just been cut, should it be wet down? And I'm not entirely sure if she's talking about in the field as it's drying or in, as huh. it's fed to the horse. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think if it's haylage and it's just been cut, you're going to be fine. 
going to have a high percentage of um, moisture. Uh, you have to be a little careful about haylage, um, especially if it's starting to ferment. And um, also, haylage does potentially pose a risk if it's not stored properly um, for causing botulism. So just from this question, I agree, Christy, I don't, I don't know whether it's a first cutting or you know, or, or what she's getting at here. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure either. All right. And uh, real quick, the results of our poll, how harmful do you think ammonia odor is to your horse's health? 69% of you say it's very harmful, which it is. 21% uh, somewhat harmful, 4% say it's slightly harmful, 6% don't know. All right, moving on a little bit, we've got just a couple more questions to touch on. Um, Brittany says her horse was just diagnosed with severe inflammatory airway disease and is being treated. And do you have any recommendations on reducing dust while hauling? Yeah, that's a, a, a good question. And the, the dusty hauling conditions is not just IAD. It's also, that's a really good way to give your horse or pneumonia, uh, especially if you're hauling long distance. Um, there's uh, some really nice studies out of both Japan and Australia where uh, they put horses in big vans, just haul them around for 9, 12 hours, and the amount of dust and respirable bacteria is huge. Um, one of the most important things that causes uh, dust in a trailer is hay bags and also uh, the if you if you've ever ridden I'm old enough to have ridden in the back of, of trailers before everybody knew it was really stupid uh, when I was a kid and it's just a maelstrom of dust it, it's like you're in a, a, a desert storm um, so reducing dusty things I tell owners of horses with IAD don't put shavings down I'd rather have you stop and clean it out I'd rather even have them stand in some urine than have all that shavings flinging around the, your, your uh, trailer. Um, if your horse needs um, hay, then make sure it's really, really well wet down, soaked uh, for quite some time beforehand. And the other thing is there's some nice studies showing that if horses can't get their heads down, uh, they start to have colonization of the airways with bacteria and so if you can uh, if you can uh, haul them in such a way that their heads aren't tied up high it's going to be better for their airway clearance uh, so really d diminish all the things that can cause dust in a very breezy windy environment and make sure that your horse can can get its head down if that's possible excellent tips um, Debbie from Minnesota would like to know what special care recommendations would you make for a horse recovering from pneumonia? I think you would um, consider the same things that you would do for a horse with IAD or RAO. Following um, a viral or a bacterial pneumonia still have some inflammation and so any normally inhaled particulates are going to be very irritating and may induce uh, bronchoconstriction or bronchospasm. So the same approach that you would use for a TB horse or a horse with IAD, reducing particulates that might be inhaled, reducing the dust in the stall, um, and also wetting down the hay or uh, switching off to um, a low dust forage. All right. 
And we'll just take one more question. Um, this one's actually a little bit dear to my heart because the barn I grew up uh, riding in was full of chickens and great for getting rid of roaches, but um, do they have any effect on respiratory issues in the barn? Susie from Tennessee. Yeah, I think that the first report for um, on uh, heaves that uh, I think it was Jill Beach um, reported on, it had to be 25 or 30 years ago, was uh, chicken hypersensitivity. So they have uh, dander and dust and um, feather-related proteins that can also cause uh, um, hyperreactive airways too. Do you recall that, Melissa? I, yes, and I think you're right. I think it was um, Jill Beach who did that. And it was a while ago. It's a pity that you know, we've never, nobody's ever really followed up on that. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, people certainly can get some interesting diseases from, from working with birds, um, you know, histoplasmosis, things like that. I've never had a horse that got that. I don't know about you. No, no. Yeah. They're certainly messy enough. We <laughs> 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 have a lot of chickens. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, certainly the, the human health recommendations are that you should wear a respirator when you clean out the chicken coop. Yep, yep. Because the dust is so bad and the potential for uh, getting things, uh, getting uh, back, uh, you know, infectious diseases is relatively high. Well, that's... That can be a problem when the chickens are free roaming. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the world is their chicken coop. Right, right. Well, at least the air changes are better when they're free sure. roaming. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're about 10 minutes over time, and I think we've, we've had a great session. We've taken a lot of really great questions. I want to uh, thank, thank both Melissa and Dorothy so much for their time, and, of course, to our audience audience for participating. You guys sent a ton of great questions. Um, this session will be archived soon on thehorse.com as an MP3 file. And I'd encourage you to check out the uh, respiratory and air quality um, articles that I posted up there in the chat a few minutes ago. And last but not least, I want to thanks, say thanks again to Sweet PDZ for bringing this free session to everyone today. And please check them out at sweetpdz.com. And I hope everybody has a great evening. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. <laughs>